good issue for all women. Hello and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. Mickey here with the second of our Manta Views. Do you like that? I like it. I hope you do. As you know, because November contains International Men's Day, each time that month swings round, we have ourselves a chat with some blokes. So you might have already heard Jen chatting to comedian and author Dave Chawner about his experience of having anorexia. And she also interviewed eating disorder psychiatrist Dr Stephen Anderson, who is also a member of the Board of Trustees at BEAT, the UK's eating disorder charity. And still to come, Hannah's nattering to comedian Matt Ford about scandal, comedy and the Labour Party. I mean, listen to find out whether they're all linked. They very well could be. She's also talking to actors Michael Balogun and Giles Torreira about a new revival of Joe Penhall's award-winning Blue Orange. And I've no doubt she'll be sneaking some Hamilton chat in there too. And I'm going to be talking to David Melly of Men's Sheds Association UK, an incredible movement of community spaces for men to connect, converse and create. But right here, right now, I've been on the Zoom with pro-feminist activist Chris Green, who founded the UK arm of the Excellent White Ribbon campaign and, as you're about to find out, has a lot more up his sleeve when it comes to being an excellent ally to women and engaging more men to do the same. I am joined on the Zoom by founder of White Ribbon, co-founder of a new organisation called Engage and former Cosmo Ultimate Man of the Year, Chris Green. Chris, hello. Hi. That's the most embarrassing one. Do you think it's embarrassing? Well, absolutely, because, you know, I do not look like Cosmo Ultimate (laughs) Man of the Year. I'm not not into stereotyping, but, you know, but it was great. And it it was in the very early time of White Ribbon, and it gave us a platform for talking to other media outlets and and giving a voice and, and thereby getting some traction. And that's what my work has been all about trying to get traction trying to get mass engagement of men in challenging men's violence against women and girls exactly that and also i don't think it's embarrassing i think it's actually brilliant because women's magazines have let down women for a long time i think and i'm not alone in thinking that by actually making someone who is making a difference their ultimate man of the year, it felt like they were finally doing women a bit of a service instead of, you know, just giving us another hot torso. No offence to your torso, Chris. I can't see it. (laughs) All this stuff is double-edged because it's kind of cool to be on a sharing a page with Maria Sharapova. You know, her had half a page and me had half a page. (laughs) Wow. We went for the photo shoot and it took half a day to take my photograph. You know, how hard can it be? (laughs) So, Chris, let's talk about the White Ribbon Campaign, because you founded the White Ribbon Campaign's UK arm. And just for the listeners, in case they don't know, White Ribbon is an international campaign which engages with men and boys to end violence against women and girls. Correct. Could you tell me a bit about what made you want to start White Ribbon? What was your light bulb moment? I was a guy who was a little bit bored. I'd been involved in pro-feminist politics donkeys years ago, um, 20 or 30 years before. To be quite frank, I thought those battles had been won. I was hanging out with feminist women. You know, we were moving forward. You can say, how bleak could could he have been? But anyway, (laughs) um, and then I thought I wanted to get back involved in pro-feminist politics. And I thought, shall I start a magazine? And I've been involved in magazines which go out to about 1500 men and we all think the same anyway more or less or no I wanted something which actually might make a difference Mm -hmm. and so I I saw the white ribbon campaigns around the world and saw that they were 
trying to engage with mass audiences of men. In particular, in Australia, they have 70% brand recognition. So if you ask somebody there, what's White Ribbon? They've got a general idea about what it's about. That's good. And thereby, you can start the conversation. Uh And that's all you can hope for, starting the conversation. So that's what I wanted to do. So that's why I started. There is no backstory. I do not have a tragic story of usually the death of someone close to me, nor do I have an academic interest, particularly in men's issues. I just think, as the UN says, it's the worst human rights violation in the world today. And I think that men, as well as women, should be getting involved in challenging it. You said there that you don't have your own personal tragic story. But, I mean, we're surrounded by tragic stories. And this year, following the murders of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa, there was a huge uptick in men pledging to take responsibility for male violence against women and girls and joining campaigns such as White Ribbon. But I also saw a lot of hashtag not all men, a lot of victim blaming, you know, the same old, same old from a lot of blokes. Mass engagement is something that you've said is your goal. And I'd like to know how far away you think we are from mass engagement. We're a long, long way Mm. from mass engagement. I'm not going to gild the lily, but there's great work going on by a number of different campaigns, like White Ribbon, like Beyond Equality, like Involving Men, like Men Engage. We're all quite small campaigns, but there's good work going on. But it is very hard. And I think it was a huge upsurge and then it's trickling away. Yeah. But there are bright moments in it. With Everyone's Invited, the website for young women, school-age women, writing about their horrible experiences of abuse and assault, some young men have taken it upon themselves to hold their own schools to account and say, you know, if you're going to a single-sex boys' school, and this guy said to his head teacher, look, why aren't you doing something about this? And I, I was really uplifted by his example and his experience So we have to take comfort from these activities. And we have to say to all the men who say, oh, yes, of course I'm against violence against women, but I don't (laughs) know what to do. Do something. Stick your head above the parapet. Choose to engage in those conversations. Silence is not an option. Silence is so often a choice, but silence excuses the violence. And that is not acceptable. Oh, it was only banter. There is no such thing as only banter. It's interesting and slightly depressing, isn't it? The amount of guys who think by saying, me, I am totally against violence against women and girls and think you're going to give them some sort of cookie for like the very, very lowest benchmark there. But see, I see it as there's a a continuum of of, of activity. So uh, that's great. And if somebody said that to me, I would say, okay, in that case, bottom line, sign the white ribbon pledge the pledge which says i've signed the white ribbon promise promise never to commit never to excuse and never to remain silent about men's violence against women and girls Mm -hmm. and you can say oh yeah it's easy to sign something the next people will say it's easy to wear a badge but that's what you try and do with this man as well this hypothetical man we say well why don't you wear a badge why don't why don't you take your photo saying i am a white ribbon supporter um or Just wear a badge around the office. And people say, well, what's that badge about? And thereby, again, you start the conversation. And if you start to do the talking, we are starting on that trail, which we're we're all still on, of learning 
and asking about women's experiencing, listening to what they say, and taking action when they say, you need to do dot, 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 dot. All men need to be on that journey, but starting off is the hardest part. I've made some wrong turns while I've been working in the field, and women have corrected me and said, actually, I know your heart's in the right place, but you really didn't ought to do that. You uh-huh. really ought to be doing this instead. I was talking to a man recently who said, oh, yes, I think I'm going to offer to escort women home from nightclubs because it's so dangerous now these days. Oh, oh, oh bless him. No. <laughs> yes, yes, bless him. But <laughs> so we had a conversation. <laughs> um, and, but that's not the point. His heart is in the right place yeah. and he could be corrected and learnt. And the next thing he was doing was making placards for the women so that they, the women could have their Reclaim the Streets demonstration and people could see what they were demonstrating about and he could be on the sidelines cheering them on, you know, and saying, yes, I am a man supporting women reclaiming the night, not interfering, not taking over, but just saying, yeah, go sisters. I really, really find it very interesting that you call yourself pro-feminist rather than simply calling yourself a feminist. And listeners, I've got to tell you, I have not asked Chris this off air. I do not know what his answer is going to be, but I think you're going to give me an answer that I furiously nod along to. So I'd like to know why is it that you call yourself pro-feminist rather than saying you are a feminist? Because I'm not a woman. Hello, there he is. I have not got your experience. I don't know how bad it is. You know, I can support your work. But the other second explanation is, believe me, when I was growing up in terms of my sexual politics, I wouldn't have dared call myself a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, second waivers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was living in a house of women and they would have, you know, chopped me off at the knees, you know, um, until I'd done my share of the childcare, my share of the cooking, my share of the cleaning, I'm nothing, you know, and then after that, then I'm I'm getting there. I am nodding along curiously, as as yes, I thought I would be. The next question is, where do pro-feminist men come from? And I've seen academic research on this, never conducted any myself and don't want to, but which says they hang about with feminist women. And that is the best place to recruit male allies, male activists, is unfortunately among places where women are doing all the work you know women are trying to change the world but of course they are going to be intolerant of inappropriate behavior from men i was going to use a different word then (laughs) oh i'm intrigued (laughs) what word were you going to use i was going to say wankers (laughs) oh yeah no totally (laughs) just people who come out with all the phrases and just think do something you know stay up stay home and run the crash so the women can go out on the streets On the subject of wankers, and he wasn't a wanker, I don't think at all. But the reason I went from thinking that men could be feminists to thinking that men can't be feminists, but we absolutely need you and want you as feminist allies, is a conversation I had with a man, oh, about 10, 15 years ago. And he said, I'd really like to be a feminist. Do you think men can be feminists? And I said, well, and he Mm -hmm. said, because I think, and just talked over me. And I remember thinking, yeah, (laughs) this is is why I'm probably going to say no. (laughs) I live in Yorkshire. Yay, Yorkshire. And I've I've travelled all the way to London for meetings with committees which are otherwise all women. And I've travelled all the way back again. And I may have said one sentence in a two hour meeting, you know, 
because it's inappropriate. You know, it was a, an anti-violence against women organization and I was there to listen and learn. I do not do a lot of mansplaining. You know, I've, I've learned that. And it's, it's quite hard to learn that. Of course, you, you want to say things because you hear somebody say things. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I think. But that's, that's fine. You can tell them afterwards. You can send them an email afterwards saying, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not always great at it because because I'm, I'm passionate and I'm excited about the issue. I have been studying for this interview for about two or three hours beforehand, you know, <laughs> because it's my responsibility to do it well, because I desperately want more men to be involved in the work. And if I do things well, then maybe, just maybe, people will start to get involved. I think I told you that I've been struggling as well about a an assembly which I've been asked to do online about three minutes to, for a, a school assembly. And I'm petrified at doing that because I really want to get the message right, mm-hmm. you know, and because it, it is a huge responsibility for men who are doing the work to do, to do it well. A question was asked to me, I've given this presentation about the work of White Ribbon and how we get involved in activities and 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 through to get more men involved by accrediting organizations and getting students unions in, or organized and local authorities and fire service and football teams and sports teams blah 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 and i said anybody got any questions this is after i've been oh i'm quite pleased with myself because we're, we're getting out to lots of men and this one says yes i've got a question why aren't you doing more <laughs> And it's absolutely true, you know, it's absolutely true that it's our responsibility to to do more because more than two women a week are murdered by men. Yeah. I found this quote from a cracking book called Facing Patriarchy by Bob Peace, a bit academic, but it's absolutely on the money. He, he incidentally founded, was one of the co-founders of Australia White Ribbon, but he said, Each time an incident of men's violence against women is enacted, men could have made it less likely that it would have happened. Oh, that is brilliant. And so true. And of course we could, because we're creating the culture, which gives men permission to abuse women. Silence is not an option. Chris, do you get a lot of shit from men when you say this? Uh, No, you know why? Because I don't get to talk to that many men. I mean, like... All our work is targeting men and men's organisations. And my average audience will be 90% women. People will organise a conference and it will be a conference about men challenging male violence against women and girls. And 65, 70% of the people attending will be women. Uh, Guaranteed. uh, I'm sky screaming. (laughs) I'm actually screaming. How do we get men more engaged then? How do we do that? That's why our work at White Ribbon, um, to start with, I'll move on to my other work in a minute, but was always to get alongside men by going into nightclubs, going into sports clubs, talking to trade unions. These are all places where some men are. And then suddenly you get an organisation like British Aerospace says, oh, yes, we're interested in talking to White Ribbon about becoming accredited. And you think, hallelujah, there's a lot of men work there. You know, and those are the places you need to get in. And then once you're talking to people in their human resources department or the equal opportunities department, whatever, the onus 
moves to those organizations to do the work. Because if you're trying to have a mass movement, three people can't run a mass movement, can't, you know, why don't you do more work in schools? Because there's 20,000 schools in the UK or (laughs) something. It's thousands anyway. And yeah, therefore, what we can do, we can talk, we can have accredited school systems so the schools come to us and then we can say, okay, school, you do the work. Here are materials. Here are things you can use. You know, we can go to a teacher conference and say, here's the material. It's your job to go out and do it. And so that's what we try and do. And that's that's the way we try and engage men. What's really good is when you do get an audience of entirely of men. And that's that's very rare, but very exciting, like a, a rugby team, for example, you yeah. know, or a football team. Hull, a really big rugby league town and the rugby league team, one of them, Hull, rather than Hull Kingston Rovers, they all wore shirts saying men challenging male violence against women and girls. There were announcements on the tannoy and on big screens. There was videos playing and in the programme. The reason the club said we're doing this is because there are 20,000 people in this stadium today and there's 20,000 women in Hull get abused every year. Yeah, fucking hell. They were taking their social responsibility seriously and that, that was great. People in that stadium, probably, I suppose, 15,000 at least men, they're not going to suddenly go out and say, oh, yes, give me a badge, let me sign here. But, you you know, it's a little nudge along the way. You're on their radar. Yeah, you've, yeah. Got, you've got the momentum. So, Chris, you have left White Ribbon now in order to broaden your scope when it comes to dealing with the patriarchy. And before we chat about Engage, which is your exciting and important new venture, I'd like you to tell me a bit about what you think still needs to change and the areas that you are wanting to tackle moving forward. Oh, gosh. What don't I want to tackle? Um, <laughs> pornography is, is a, a big deal. Mm. And I, I think I've, I've produced like a couple of posters and uh, been to one demonstration at the headquarters of one of the big pornographers in, in the UK, which was organised, incidentally, of course, by a, a group or a women's organisation. But at least I tagged along and there are a few men there supporting it. That's about it. But that needs far, far more intense work. Mm-hmm. Pornography. And brilliant work by Gail Dines, who's a Boston academic, who spends her whole life fighting the porn industry and gets very depressed about it all. But absolute genius. She's a goddess, you know. Then, of course, I support Nordic Model Now, which is about changing the rules about prostitution and blaming the punters and penalising the men. Been some fabulous work in countries like Norway and Ireland, which have adopted it, and Scotland will probably be doing so relatively soon. Um, and it absolutely changes the onus. And it doesn't mean we're we're penalising the women. You can look it all up on Nordic Model now. I mean, I, I, again, other people do all the work. I just say this is important work to be supporting. So it's what I do. I support a little bit. I have been at least five lap dancing clubs protesting about their existence because how on earth can you have equality in society and respect for women when, I mean, you're objectifying them and saying, oh, come here, darling, let me stuff 10 quid down your down your knickers. You know, I just, ugh. Anyway. I like that you couldn't even maintain the character for the whole of that sentence. You were so disgusted <laughs> by it. <laughs> Some of these things, I can trace my engagement back about eight years 
and some of the women's organisations much longer. We're not making much progress. The joy is that for a local authority to be a white ribbon accredited organisation, they have to agree to be moving towards a zero cap on sex encounter venues or sex entertainment venues. That has to be every year. That's that's analysed. That's that's looked at. So every year the license comes up, and every year we send in letters of objection, and every year they roll out a lawyer to say, "Oh yeah, well we're going to try and do this," but but there is a, a there's been a real tangible shift, but it's it's slow. It's very slow because there's huge vested interests in keeping sex entertainment venues going. I think you made the point really well, but just to clarify, just just even changing the conversation from the women who sell sex and actually talking about the men who buy sex. Why is that seen as a right? I don't understand. I've never understood. So just by even phrasing it that way puts a completely different spin on it for so many people. Here, here, there's a brilliant guy called Jackson Katz, who's again, an academic, American academic, who puts it with three sentences. He says, five women died in Seven Oaks this week. And then you change it to five women were murdered in Seven Oaks this week. And then you change it again to men murdered five women in Seven Oaks this week. Mm-hmm. You have to name the perpetrators as men. I got invited to a conference recently and there were pages of instructions about how the committees were going to work and the subcommittees and blah, blah, And it never said men oh. in it. It's all about anti-violence, but it never said men's violence. Look, Chris, we can't help it. We women just go out and violence happens to us. No one knows how or who's doing it. Just, you know. It's the way you were dressed. It's probably, I probably, you know, sniffed a bottle of alcohol or something. Dear me. I mean, you know, that's why I I love Reclaim the Night for many years. Of course, the the chant is, you know, whatever we wear, wherever we go, yes means yes and no means no. That goes back many, many, many years. I've stood for many a year quietly and freezingly on the sidelines while (laughs) 2,000 women go through the middle of London chanting and they cheer you and that's the most embarrassing thing because five guys have bothered to turn out to hold a banner saying men supporting women reclaiming the night they think that's wonderful (laughs) it makes me angry you know that there are more of us that takes me neatly onto the work of Engage because my colleague who I'm working with on this he wrote a line and he says we need to show more outrage than that. And I was feeling a little despondent this morning and I, was, and I read that word and I thought, yes, absolutely. He's 20 years younger than me, so he's still got more energy than I have. You know? So <laughs> we need to show more outrage. And that's, that's what I feel. You know, Men need to be angry about the way some men portray women. And we need to be taking action to show that we're not going to stand for it. I'm nodding, which is great for a podcast, but I'm nodding furiously. (laughs) Let's talk about Engage, which is your pro-feminist men's conference that gets its inaugural outing, uh, just checking my calendar, this coming week, and yet you're talking to me. Madness. Anyway, the tagline is masculinity, patriarchy, feminism. What is it all about? It's about trying to get more men active on the streets saying men are going to do something about this. And our very first action is a demonstration at the courts um, outside 
the courts in Manchester and the courts in London about institutionalised sexism and the way women are discriminated against and treated through the institutionally sexist justice system. And I was thrilled because I was, again, doing my homework and I was listening to one of your interviews with Harriet Wistrick from the Centre for Women's Justice. Yeah, she's amazing. She was amazing. And she used exactly that phrase. And yet here I had it on the, my text in front of me, which my colleague had, had, had given me. And that's what we are. We want to show solidarity with It's all very well for men to turn up to women's demonstrations and say, yes, we support you. Yes, we support you. But this is an organisation that we as men are organising because we want to say, look, we are angry as well about the fact that police record 60,000 cases of rape. And those are the only ones that are reported. And yet about a thousand result in prosecutions. It's shameful. And that's just one banner we could be on. I mean, the way the courts treat uh, women in terms of custody issues is another thing. Um, There's a wonderful organisation called The Court Said, who work in that area. And I was privileged to speak at one of their meetings. And I was shocked as I listened to the witnessing of the women there, of how they have been treated by the court's mm-hmm. system. And so that's another aspect to that protest. But it's just, we're just using that as one place to protest, not the courts per se. It's the courts, it's the police, mm-hmm. it's the education system, yeah. it's everywhere. And so we have to change a lot, both institutionally, and we have to change a lot in our domestic lives as well. We have to examine our own lives. Going back to the fact that we were running a conference, it was because I said to Bjorn, I said, we haven't had a conference, a men's conference in this country for about 30 years. It's quite limiting, this particular, the first conference we're having. We've got about five or six workshops, but I want to see much broader range of men talking about masculinity, men talking about childcare, men talking about domestic chores, men talking about sport, men talking about music. We have, we have got a workshop about the music industry and we've got a workshop about masculinity, but lots and lots of stuff. And we, we'll see how we go with this first event. The crucial thing for us is we want it to be action-oriented and we've got a huge list of things which men can do after the conference, including... 16 activities for 16 days of action following November the 25th, Mm -hmm. which is the UN International Day to Eradicate Violence Against Women, or can also be called White Ribbon Day because some local authorities call it that, and it's a nice easy badge to call it White Ribbon Day. Everything you've mentioned, I have, like I said, not great for a podcast, but been nodding along furiously that these conversations need to happen, activism needs to happen around them. But conversations about these subjects, and I mean among men, between women and men, between parents and sons, parents and daughters, despite being very vital, they are hard. People struggle. Have you any tips for talking to male friends or relatives that will make them open up to what is a tricky subject for a lot of them rather than close down? Start. Oh, that is a great tip. You know, start. And also for men actually ask women about their experiences the floodgates will open and you'll hear all sorts of things which you didn't know i've learned vast amounts from attending conferences and listening to women uh, at, at conferences and inevitably i think 
wow, somebody needs to do something about that. And I feel that there's a lot of male allies there who are quiet because they're not sure what to do. And it's, it's, I know it's an excuse. I don't know what to do, but just start to do something. I was at a conference of uh, white ribbon ambassadors, um, men who've decided to take, go forward, do a bit more than just wearing a badge and signing their name and say, I want to be an ambassador so they can do online training, uh, which is really useful because you learn lots by doing that. Uh-huh. This conference was for them um, and they were all men in the fire service in Kent. And I said, well, what are you doing? And one guy said, well, I didn't know what to do. But then I talked to my son. Another guy just started a little Facebook group called Beards Against Sexism. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and so he took pictures of lots of his male friends with beards, a bit like Movember. You know, they, they have a whole lot of work and do a lot of fundraising around prostate cancer and men having hairy faces. Yep. And this guy was doing the same sort of thing for anti-sexist work. Just try. Anybody just try something. We'll find there are other men out there who want to help. When I set up White Ribbon, for the first six months, nothing happened. And then a woman who was chief executive of an organization, a wonderful organization called Tender, said, I think what you're doing is okay, just keep going. So I did, because just needed to. And then gradually and gradually, a few people had heard the name and got a bit more support. And now 60,000 men who've signed the pledge online it's only 60,000. Why isn't it 6 million? But it's a start. It's a Definitely. good toe in the water. Yeah. And when you see a map of where they all are, they're distributed across the UK. It doesn't take any time or effort to sign the pledge, but it's a commitment. And once you've made that commitment, then you can start making the other commitments, you know, or you can start saying, I need more information about things. It's so easy once you start talking about the issues. I've been involved in lots of men's groups in the past, specifically set up to talk about issues of gender, sexism, issues, sort of personal growth, blah, blah, blah. And they've been really interesting, but they have all died the death. You know, the ones that don't die the death are the ones which are the ones talking about football. So you've got to mix it up a little bit. So Engage starts on November the 19th, which is, of course, International Men's Day. And for quite a long time, and despite when it started back in 1992, it was as a way to recognise and celebrate the cultural, political and socio-economic achievements of men. International Men's Day has been annexed, hijacked even, by men's rights activists. Do you feel like that is shifting into healthier conversations about masculinity and realising the initial ideas behind International Men's Day? It depends which day of the week it is. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I think, you know, oh, goodness, we're losing. And yeah. sometimes you just, all you need is a little email or something you see on Facebook. You think, wow, that's really brilliant. And that's really making a difference today somebody said to me oh you know at my university lots of of the young men have been talking about issues of violence against women and girls and i was really surprised because of course you you've seen all the bad stories about behaviors at university Mm -hmm. so it's really nice when people just say that they didn't weren't saying that to me specifically they were just passing it in conversation you know and and so there are always good news stories out there so that no, I don't think men's rights 
activists are making much progress. I think they are on a sticky wicket and we are making progress, you know, but it's very slow. <laughs> Lots of work to do, to do, but we've been very comforted by the level of response to the Engage conference, but it's been like blood out of a stone is in parts as well. So, you know, you're uplifted when you think so well, then you get downhearted, you know, um, but it's, so it's, it's a journey, but that doesn't mean you can't make the journey. This leads really neatly into my last question, which is when Hannah and I chatted to Laura Bates about her excellent book, oh, infinitely depressing book, Men Who Hate Women, she told us how rife misogyny is becoming in schools and the rape, sexual assault and sexual harassment stats coming out of our schools are just, oh, head in hands depressing. All of this undoing of decades of social conditioning can very often feel Sisyphean. So, given that you have been in this field for decades, how hopeful are you that things will change in our lifetime? I know it's a big question. It depends how long we live. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, what you've got to remember is, is if we look back as well, you know, you can look back and rape in marriage was legal. Yeah, until the 90s. Oh, exactly. Yes, so you can look back and see all sorts of institutionalised sexism as well. My mother uh, was a school teacher, uh, but then, of course, got married. End of school career. Yeah. There is progress happening in terms of the law. If, If the UK signed up to the Istanbul Convention, which is the Council of Europe Convention, on ending violence against women and girls. It's been signed and, and ratified by 35 other countries, which means it's law in all those countries, which gives minimum levels of provision. It says you must have 24-hour helplines. It says you must engage men in challenging male violence against women and girls. That was my contribution to this, this whole process because I was on the committee. It's really good in terms of providing a legal basis for protection, prosecution and prevention. And David Cameron signed it four years ago. Unfortunately, our government still has to ratify the piece of legislation. And there's an organisation called IC Change, Istanbul Convention Change, IC Change, which is working to make this happen. They did pass something which means that every year the government has to report to Parliament on why it hasn't yet ratified this vital piece of legislation. The reason I'm going into detail about that, it's a really interesting piece of legislation. It's going to make a huge difference. But also, what I'm saying is, we have to work at both ends. Legal issues are really important and changing the lives of women and men, as at the same time, they help influence people's social behaviours mm-hmm. and at the same time we have to work incredibly hard to change the culture as well at the other end so with, if we work on both of those areas and certainly White Ribbon does because we've had lots of politicians who sign up and say oh yes we're keen to support it well then we have to hold those people to account but as well working with groups of housing officials working with groups of health officials working with groups of firefighters police officers, uh, football clubs, choirs, you know, groups of men wherever they are to say, okay, in our community, we're going to take this seriously and we're going to work on this issue and we're going to discuss it with each other. And that's that's what's crucially important 
both to change institutionalised sexism, but also ultimately to reduce and prevent men's violence against women and girls. I think you sound adequately hopeful. Adequately hopeful. And I'm, I'm all right with that. Adequately hopeful, that will do. I think that's good. I'm not over-egging the pudding. I'm not saying, OK, yes, it's all going to be fine this time next year. No, you're not over-egging the pudding, but you are saying there's pudding. And I'm, I'm happy with pudding. I think that's a good start. <laughs> and part of that is the opportunity to come and speak on this broadcast and to urge people who hear this to say, OK, take action. If you're a woman, start to talk to the men in your life about getting involved. If you're a man, please join the movement. I don't care if it's Beyond Equality, Men Engage, White Ribbon, Engage the Conference. We're all working at the, at the same levels. We're all doing the same stuff. And we're all in solidarity with each other. But just do something. One of my, my last slide in any of the presentations I give I, is just say, just do it. You know, just do it. It is. It's like when people say, oh, you know, how do any tips for writers? And it's like, just sit down and write it. Like when I'm like trying to get back into running and I'm like, oh, how can I persuade myself to go running? Go running. That is the way that you actually get <laughs> stuff done. Chris, where can people find out more about Engage, your conference? Well, with White Ribbon, it's whiteribbon.org.uk. With Engage, it's at engageconfuk, all one word, engageconf, UK. And there's a website as well, which is engagedconferenceuk.wordpress.com. You do the Twitter. What are you, what's your handle? Oh, terribly complicated. It's, uh, try, and, try and look for me. It's, it's Chris Stephen Gree, Gree just G-R-E-2. What a <laughs> useless bloody Twitter handle that is. Stephen with a V. <laughs> I'm always happy to engage and talk to any groups anywhere because that's the only way we're going to make change. And I've talked to a group which was three people and a do- not quite and a dog, but um, <laughs> I knew two of them and I travelled all the way from Yorkshire to London to do this presentation. But I didn't mind because that's what it's all about. It's about getting on with it, talking about it. I am not the greatest presenter in the world, but I'm, I have more, as much passion as anybody about the issues. And that's what's important to say. We want change and we want it now. I'm going to disagree with you there. You've been an absolute pleasure to chat with, really engaging and so knowledgeable. I really appreciate you chatting to me and also all of the work that you do trying to get men engaged in these vital subjects. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Standard Issue for all women.